Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Bike Radar Podcast, brought to you by the team behind BikeRadar.com, Cycling Plus and MBUK magazines. If you enjoy this episode, please subscribe. And if you can do so, leave us a rating on your podcast provider of choice. It really helps us reach other cyclists like you. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Bike Radar Podcast. Today we're going to be bringing you the freshest, hottest, newest tech in cycling with my good colleagues and wonderful friends, Tom Marvin, who's dialing in remotely from wonderful Manchester, and Simon Von Bromley, who's sitting opposite me today with a beautiful long head of hair. I wish you could see it. How are you both doing? Tom Marvin, let's start with you because as of us recording this podcast today, you're about to go away on a bit of a bloody jolly. What's the gossip? Well, I have got a little bit of a jolly coming up, yes. Uh, I'm heading all the way to uh, South America, to, wow. to Chile, to go and see a new bike from a rather big brand, as well as some actually some new components uh, that have been released in the past but are being reimagined mm. for something else. Um, so yeah, heading out for that, and then I'm going to have a little bit of uh, burn through some of my annual leave before the year is up. Uh, and I heard down, that you're going. Uh, I was going to say, I heard you're going on a bit of an old person's sort of organised tour, maybe in a bus and drinking in tea rooms. Is that right? <laughs> almost, almost. I'm going on an organised trek uh, because mm. uh, I've got too much stuff to do in my own life to arrange uh, going on a trek in Patagonia. So I've. I've paid through the nose for someone to organise it for me and hopefully provide me at least with a sleeping bag and sleeping mat. But um, their English isn't great. My Spanish is non-existent. So we'll just find out. Wonderful. Now, Simon, other than your wonderful hair, what else is going on in your life? Yeah, not too much, thanks. Like I kind of finally, uh, over that bout of COVID that I had, uh, which is good because that, that killed all the kind of form that I'd built <laughs> up. Um, but, you know, it's fine. Obviously, it's winter, so it's not too bad, you know. Um, yeah, just excited by the fact that young Felix Smith has finally become <laughs> You've an, got it, <laughs> got an indoor training buddy. So, yeah, I'm going to tap him up for some Zwift rides over the winter so we can hide from the cold weather. Uh, you wouldn't find me doing that. That sounds absolutely <laughs> boring. <laughs> uh, we actually How been you, talking Jack? of... Oh, thanks, Tom. Thank you for asking. I'm very well. I've been riding out of doors because I'm very hard. But It was no. so cold last week. It and was miserable. What did you go out riding for? What did I go? Oh, I went and picked up a haggis. <laughs> I, went, I got up before work to buy the last veggie haggis in Bristol. Yeah, well worth it. Well worth it, I might add. Anyway, on to today's news 
Um, we're just going to give you a brief highlight of the top mountain bike news, road news, and so on. Just ge- general chat as well around cycling tech at the minute. We're going to start with Tom Marvin, who has something we think will almost certainly annoy a few people. <laughs> yes. Um, now, my Curly Bard colleagues and obviously listeners, many of them will have come across uh, the brand Ceramic Speed. Um, and their OSPW systems. So Ceramic Speed make incredibly expensive, uh, in inverted commas, upgrades uh, for your components, most notably uh, down at the derailleur end of things with the OSPW oversized pulley wheel (coughs) system. Um, You'll have seen it on Tour de France bikes, you'll have seen it uh, in various news stories and videos, uh, and you'll have seen a plethora of comments underneath every single one of those stories with people <laughs> bemoaning the fact, uh, possibly quite rightly, possibly not, uh, at just how unbelievably expensive um, a set of jockey wheels and a little cage for your rear derailleur can actually be. Um, thus far, mountain bikers have largely dodged the attention of uh, ceramic mm. speed, however, for no longer because there is now the OSPWX for SRAM Eagle Access Transmission. Um, We'll get the cost out of the way uh, early on. Uh, It's €579 or $669. (laughs) Um, But it does come in two colours, black or silver. Um, um, And it's only the pulley wheels that change colour with that, isn't it? You get a black carbon derailleur cage and the pulley wheels just change colour between black and silver, right? That would be great. Could you imagine if you've got like holograms on there, so it's sort of changed, constantly changed colour. That would be almost more exciting. Um, but they, they don't. Um, so you know, it's not six hundred euros or whatever it is just for the hell of it. There is some technology going on in there. Um, first and foremost, um, they have changed the size of the pulley wheels. So change the them versus their. Is that changed the size versus SRAM's stock pulley wheels for um, T-type yes. stuff? Sorry, or yeah. is it, Or is um, that versus like the old style Eagle components? It is versus the existing transmission. So it's now mm. bumped up to 20 teeth um, as opposed to, I think it was 14 on the, on the OG. Um, I could be wrong on that number. And the upper pulley size is 14 teeth as well. Um, and then these are both housed in a fibre-reinforced composite, um, like in a new cage, basically, which I don't think they're claiming is particularly any lighter, um, but should be uh, plenty durable enough. I think they're saying that there's no sort of difference in the durability of the overall product. And obviously one of the big things about transmission was uh, its durability. It's got you know various clutches and its ability to spin around the udh and all that sort of jazz so you shouldn't be losing any sort of reliability in there i thought one of the things that was uh kind of key to t-type was that the jockey wheels have been redesigned they could do all the fancy magic spinny thing whatever i'm quite surprised i mean i know i realize the whole point of the oversized pulley wheels is they're bigger they spin slower they're supposed to be more efficient but i feel like I mean, they can't really stop them from doing this. I'm just quite surprised that they would increase the size of the pulley wheels with this, where it feels like T-Type is a bit more like, I don't know what the word is, but they're a bit more protective over how it is. So like surely increasing the pulley wheels could impact shifting performance. 
eBay Motors is here for the ride. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. Well, I think, it, you know, as you kind of say, because this is, you've got to remember this is coming from ceramic speed and not from SRAM. Mm. So, you they know. They do whatever they want. Exactly. Yeah. And, and that you know, that I'm sure if we ask SRAM, they would say, yeah, don't do this. Mm. It'll impact shifting. It'll impact shifting speed. It might impact durability and stuff like that. But obviously, ceramic speed are in the business of selling oversized pulley oversized wheels. Pulley wheels. <laughs> <laughs> oversized pulley wheel systems. Um, you know, like yeah, like just on the cost thing. Obviously, it is a very expensive upgrade. But I would also say that this is a kind of like what a three thousand pound, three thousand dollar group set. That's very true. And so, like you know, we see this all the time. You know, people with the high end stuff, like by definition, if you've got enough money for that. You probably you, you got probably enough got enough money for the other stuff as well. I think you know some of the kind of yeah, there's some of the extra technology that they're claiming in this. Like they've the kind of pulley wheels themselves are like shrouded rather than you know kind of open open as you would see in one of their normal ones is kind of interesting. And I've, they're kind of claiming that that's you know going to stop them getting clogged up with mud. And that as you say, that's kind of one of the things that the stock T-type pulley wheels have is they as you say they do that kind of magic spinny thing where the center of it. Mm-hmm. The, you know the pulley, the outer edge of the pulley wheel can still rotate even if the centre of it gets blocked up. And so I think they've kind of like, basically it looks like they've kind of like reverse engineered a kind of similar effect in there. And then yeah, it's kind of you know mm. made out of carbon fibre or you know more obviously made out of carbon fibre. You know the durability claim you know probably comes from the fact that I I'm not sure if T-type uses ceramic bearings in the pulley wheels, but certainly you know ceramic bearings are claimed to be slightly hardier than steel bearings not if they're on my bike they're not i love to yeah. trash bearings <laughs> boy that i am yeah i mean I, I think you know this is a bit like the kind of ceramic speed aero pulley wheel system that we saw uh, last year at the tour de france where it, you know, the, the performance games of oversized pulley wheels are not you know they're kind of well documented you know they're not extravagant they, it is like the kind of the cherry on the icing on top of the cake if you're going for that world championship win then you know you might as well have every last game possible i think the reality is is that everyone knows they're not going to make a life-changing difference to your ride but they just look cool it's just another piece of bling i have made this joke previously about an elite indoor trainer but i feel like the silver discs on these pulley wheels make them look a bit like a deli slicer <laughs> <laughs> yeah but the, the, the elite justo the elite justo yeah Tom, any final thoughts on this? Yeah, they do. Look, they do look good. Um, so that the lower jockey wheel is twenty tooth, but um, it is sixteen on the current T type. So it's an increase in four teeth, which you know it will have those marginal gains. They're saying that the system doesn't increase drag at all. Um, so you've got the the sort of the solid cover over what would have been the spokes of the lower jockey wheel. Obviously, on SRAM, it does the, the magic spinning thing. So if a stick goes through those spokes, the outer jockey wheel teeth can still spin. Um, and on this, it's a solid disc, so stuff theoretically can't kind of jam its way through. And then if you if you go sort of closer to the bearing, there is this like funny little ratchet-looking teethed attachment to the bearing covers mm. that, you know, while everything else is spinning, that's static. And so it sort of pushes any of the grit and the grime away from the bearings thus prolonging its longevity i think ceramic speed is saying you only need to sort of maintain them two or three times a year um again it is probably if there's a gain in it it's a marginal gain if you've got loads of cash and you want like the best of the best or if you want to sort of flash your cash a little bit and you know what 
that's totally fine as well. These are going to be like a proper Gucci, in inverted commas, because we haven't tested them, upgrade to your T-type stuff. Um, will it perform any better? Will you notice it performing any better? I'm sceptical, but it will look cool. And as I say, those silver discs, if you go for the silver option, they do look pretty bling. Um, or you can go slightly more muted and not quite show off your wealth quite so much. <laughs> as well. well, we all know that, uh, you know, buying expensive bike components, not just limited to these, is a wonderful replacement for a personality. So uh, <laughs> if needs be, then it could be perfect. Now, before we move away from uh, mountain bike content and we go on to the road highlights, Tom Marvin, I'm going to grill you on something. I hear oh, yeah. you've been working on a little project for another podcast. Pray tell what is going on with the MBOI was getting you worried there. Those eyebrows <laughs> are through the ceiling. <laughs> What's going on with the MBUK podcast? <laughs> yes, thank you. Yeah, we have released the MBUK podcast. We're on episode, I believe three of them have now been released. They're coming out weekly. It's a 12-part series. Um, looking back at the history of mountain biking over the past 35 years. So we're talking about the people who have been racing it, the the engineers behind them, the, the personalities behind the brands, the bikes themselves, the tech, the riding locations, all sorts of stuff that has really sort of built the sport that we all know and love today. Um, as I say, it's a 12-part series hosted by myself and Rob Weaver, and we've got regular guests uh, on there. We have Luke Marshall, one of our tech writers. We've got Rach um, over from MBUK. We've got the editor of MBUK, James Costley-White. And of course, we've got John Oldale, uh, who is uh, very high up uh, in the marketing world at Marin Bikes. Um, he came in for a couple of the episodes and was an excellent guest. Uh, and Marin have very kindly sponsored the first ep- for the first series of the MBUK podcast. Um, so yeah, it's out at the moment. You can search for it on Spotify, iTunes, and anywhere else that you get your podcasts. Uh, yep. And yeah, it's great. Definitely recommend. John Aldale's a very funny guy. Met him a few times. I'm sure he's a very, mm. very good listener on that one. Now, Simon, on to things that little curly bar boys like you and I understand. Yes, met John Aldale a few times. He's a very, very funny man. I'm sure it would be a very good listen. Do subscribe. Now, Simon, on to things that curly bar boys like you and I understand. What is the gossip in the road tech world this week? So I think the big news of the week was the um, Decathlon team, or I should say Decathlon AG2R La Mondiale team, to give them their full name, unveiled their new Van Rysel World Tour race bike, which is called the RCR Pro. And I don't want to be too harsh on the designers, but I think as soon as we saw this, everyone was like, oh, it looks a lot like the Tarmac uh, SL7. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But, you know, that's not necessarily a bad thing because that was a very, very successful bike, a very, very popular bike. And given that this is kind of, you know, this has got a Dura-Ace build, data integrated cockpit, you know, carbon everything, Swiss side wheels, Continental GP5000 tires, and then they're saying they expect it to retail for around eight and a half thousand pounds, you know, which kind of like just marginally undercuts what you could get a Canyonero CFR for. So I think, you know, this is going to be an extremely popular bike with the punters. Yes. For those that aren't aware, Decathlon is a sort of European mega sports store all over Europe and into the UK. And also I think in the U- yes, is also in the US as well, um, who are renowned for their very, very good value bikes across road, mountain bike, gravel, genuinely banging bikes for the money. 
Um, and this is the brand's sort of uh, first time in the world tour since. since 2006, when they previously basically what was the same team? I think it was according to Liam. It, well, I'm not going to say it, but it was the AG2R something team back mm-hmm. then. They sponsored them, and obviously, yeah, I don't think they didn't have a bike quite quite as nice as this back then. But yeah, they've signed a five-year deal, and they've made a time trial bike. They're making also they're making this. This kind of interested me. They're going to make new shoes, new helmets. Mm. I've seen a time trial helmet, an aero helmet. You know, so there's. I think you know. I think Decathlon and Van Rysel look like they're going to be kind of making a step up, a kind of across the board over the next five years. And so that'd be really interesting to see. Yeah, definitely. Just as an aside, outside of their including their cycling stuff, but also with their general. Uh, like outdoors kit, their Instagram is such a good follow. They're really, really quite transparent and interesting with their design and testing stuff. It was a really good series about a lightweight bike packing tent they're doing at the minute, and they're just showing how they're testing it. But yeah, I, I think as a brand, it hasn't done an incredible job of showing that like they do test and manufacture a lot of their own stuff. So I'll be curious to hear more about kind of how the bike was developed and what went into it because we did we had quite limited time with it. Tom Marvin, you're a man who wishes every well, day of his life to be French. <laughs> you know, may we bonjour. You must welcome this with open arms. <laughs> Absolutely, I think it's great seeing these like sort of massive, sort of more budget orientated brands mm. really breaking into the uh, the racing. And I think it's worth noting on the mountain bike side of things, another de- one of Decathlon's brand, Rock Rider, um, has had riders at the real pointy end of World Cup XC racing this year with a number of great bikes with a team sponsored by Ford, which, mm. you know, we don't see in any other sort yeah, of arena yeah, yeah. of mountain biking at the moment, proper non-endemic sponsorship. Oh, um, God, I can't believe you just used the phrase non-endemic sponsorship in the <laughs> podcast. That's a real, <laughs> to- that's a real toe curler. <laughs> Tom's been on link- LinkedIn on his lunch break. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't think they're sponsoring the same team next year, but yeah, like, you know, it's great to see them back in the World Tour, but um, it's been fantastic seeing them uh, competing properly uh, at World Cup XC level as well. Anecdotally as well, like, uh, you know, we cover lots and lots of stuff on site, and this is by no means a measure of something's success. But people really have liked this. You know, it's been a hugely popular video on our YouTube channel. It's a popular uh, article on site. I think it's a bit of a marketing coup for them. You know, people we sometimes overlook the um, influence. We'll say that having your product in the world tour has. You know, people do really care about these things. They want to align themselves to the pros, even if it's more subconscious. So I'm sure we'll be hearing more and more from them, particularly as well, as you said, with more kit coming uh, in the next few years. And, of course, Simon Bromley, if you want to read more about that, where could our listeners find it? www.biteradar.com. As always, it's the only website you should ever really visit, to be honest, because it is the best website on the internet. No question. And, um, yeah, just set it as your homepage and don't go anywhere else. And, of course... If you don't want to type it in, the links for all this are in the podcast description. Same for Tom's ceramic speed pulley wheel system. And also, feeling benevolent and generous, I'll even put a link into the MBUK podcast. Why not? Why not? Lovely. Finally, rounding out the news today is that now, (laughs) I suggest the headline on this one is being, you can finally send direct messages on Strava, because apparently that's something people have been asking for. Personally, I've never really thought about it. But as as of today, you could finally send direct messages on Strava. So previously, the, you know, they've been rolling out more 
uh, what you want to say, engagement tools on the platform. You can now comment and tag people on posts. You can post posts without an activity associated. But now they're, they're, they're trying to turn Strava into more like an all-encompassing social platform, basically so people don't have to go off-platform to organize a ride, for example. Um, it's going to be rolling out from early December with new features to follow in 2024, and it is pretty limited for now. You can message people, you can send GIFs, but you can't send photos. But, you know, it's clear they want to sort of develop this tool a little bit. Um, apparently, this is something a lot of people have been asking for. And I think if I was, say, like a club uh, and you want to organize rides for a club, I do see the appeal of this where, like, taking people off platform to Facebook probably is the best example, like Facebook groups, but even just organizing local rides on like a WhatsApp group, it's not quite as neat and tidy as having everything in one place. But also, practically speaking, you know, if someone is on Strava already, it's quite, to my mind, the, the leap of messaging someone on there to organize a ride is less, I don't know, like, formal than like, hi, what's your number? Can I message you on WhatsApp? I don't know. I, I can see the appeal of it. Um, but yeah, not one person that I've, I've been calling out for. And in terms of privacy settings, because this is one of the questions we had, um, your privacy settings as they are in the rest of the app are mirrored in the chat function. So you could just completely turn off chat if you don't want to get people sliding into your DMs and trying to sell you, I don't know, sunglass deals or something. Uh, or uh, if you want, you can just set it so it's only people that you follow or follow you, that kind of thing. So, that, you know, it's not just an open invitation for unsolicited DMs. What do you think, Simon? Well, I think I think the kind of group chat thing is is where this, I mean, probably going to see the most use. Like, I think like you say, it's it's to keep people on platform. And I think, you know, nowadays, or, you know, as you say, you're just going to have, if you want to join a group ride, you're just going to have to go elsewhere, right? You know, you think about the local Bristol South group rides or whatever, mm. you know, where are they advertised? Well, you can go on our website, the Bristol South CC website and find out there. But really, you'd need to be, you have to kind of get into one of the WhatsApp groups or something with the people. And, you know, yeah. that, you, that needs, you need to know the right person. This kind of just simplifies that whole thing and hopefully makes it kind of more easy and accessible to, as you say, kind of, you know, if you want to start a group ride or you already, you know, you kind of already involved with organizing one or you've been on one, then someone can message you and say, hey, you know, where does this group ride start? You know, is it all right if I come along? That sort of thing. So I think it's a good idea. I mean, you know, I'm not a massive Strava user, but I think if they, you know, like obviously they're a platform, they want to make money, then yeah, like any other website, they need to encourage people to spend more time on it. And so, yeah, building in features that prevent people going elsewhere to interact with each other is a good thing. I mean, the fact it's kind of like, What's, what is a bit weird, as you say, is like, you know, it's pretty basic at the moment. And like, you know, if I'm reading the story correctly, you can't send images at the moment, which just seems like, I, uh, why, 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 why? <laughs> you know, like we live in a such a visual world, like the idea of not being able to say, if, if that's the case, I'm sure what will people do if they want to send a picture of something to someone, they'll just go off, off Strava yeah, to something yeah, else. Yeah. So that... That seems like an absolute must-have. Um, thankfully, you can share routes and activities. Uh, you, know, you know, sharing routes, for example, seems like a, an absolute bare minimum for a, for an app like Strava. But um, hopefully, this sort of thing will get more feature-rich ASAP. Yeah, there's been a couple other tools that are quite similar to this, which personally I haven't used or had much experience with. But the likes of like Link My Ride is a new, essentially cycling meetup app. I have no doubt that Strava has been looking at these and considering the fact they are gaining popularity and probably wants a bit of a slice of that that pie for itself. Tom Marvin, are you a social cyclist or will you be riding fully solo with an empty DM box on Strava? In fact, you're not a really big Strava guy, are you? I think this is uh, Strava's version of Threads. 
Mm. Um, so uh, I shan't be getting involved. I used to drive <laughs> everything because I used to try and track all my rides, and then I realised that life's too short. Oh, Tom! And, uh, I thought I'd just crack on and ride my bike. <laughs> That's a very healthy, very healthy attitude towards it. We, uh, I say this very often in podcasts, but one of our colleagues, Alex, very much worth a follow and strat of uh, if he'll let you in because he only ever makes his um, rides public if he gets a top 10 or KOM. <laughs> so you kind of look at it and it makes him look like an, I mean, he is an absolute monster on the bike, but it's it's quite an impressive feed. Uh, I just post photos of me holding haggis mostly. It's not, nothing particularly impressive from a sporting perspective. Um Simon, you have admitted that you're not a keen Striver user these days, but is there any other features you're gasping for on the app? Uh, I think I think it's tricky. Like I, I I used to use it more, I suppose, to to like look at you know com- compare. Like the analysis features were quite interesting for oh, comparing. Wow, who could someone, be surprised that you yeah, would say for that? comparing <laughs> someone, you know, comparing like a KOM. To, like for example, like when you beat me in the hill climb recently, Jack. In the past, I've I not would, mentioned that on the podcast. Before. No, I don't think you have. I know you're very mm. humble, so <laughs> it's not, not the kind of thing you'd you'd bring up. But in the past, I would have used that to. I would have gone in and, like a, a sad boy, I would have. I would have looked where you'd gained time on me, for example, and then I would have gone back and reviewed my race and thought, okay, so maybe Jack gained time on me in this bit, or I I went too hard too early and Jack paced it better, you know, something like that. Now, obviously, they've locked those features behind a paywall, yeah, which is absolutely really it's absolutely fair enough. But but as as I just you know I I don't use Strava to like. I, you know, I, the only thing I really use it for is I use it to because I have a Polar Watch and a Garmin bike computer. I sync them both to Strava, and then I sync Strava to my Golden Cheetah software for you know power analysis and stuff like that. And so Strava, Open source Simon, yeah. So Strava is just a kind of like middleman for that sort yeah. of stuff, and it does do that really well. And it is a very convenient service. And I, you know, I, I, if I was Andrew Fever, I think I'd be on Strava every single day. <laughs> you know, if I was going around taking KOMs every day, I'd be on it all the time. But the sad, the sad thing is, is I open it up. And it's just yeah, monsters who are doing ten thousand kilometers a day, and and then you know you just get you know like you, hum, people humble bragging about three hundred kilometer audaxes through the freezing cold. <laughs> that's a direct attack at Felix Smith and uh, Oscar Oscar Huckle, your colleagues. But that's yeah, fine. exactly. So <laughs> so you know, and so then I just feel sad and depressed, and I you know like so in that sense, it's perfect social media. <laughs> <laughs> Tom, Tom, anything that would tempt you back under Strava? No, I think my riding's just progressed away from like just looking at numbers and trying to like do fifteen thousand kilometers a a year. Like, I, I, it definitely has its uses, but I feel its uses are a bit more orientated towards those with curly handlebars. Like, mm. if I go ride, I'd, I couldn't tell you how far I rode at the weekend, but I can tell you I had a bloody good time doing it. That's healthy, Tom. I like that. Measure that on on Strava, so. Wonderful closing words. Well, we'll wrap it up there. If you have any questions or thoughts about any of the stuff on the podcast today, of course, please send those through to podcast at bikerader.com. We're getting more emails there. We always like to reply to them. They're very good fun. So please do send them through. And if you want to read about any of the stuff we discussed today, head to the links in the podcast description. And just back on the email if you have any ideas or discussions or whatever you want us to talk about, let us know. Simon and Tom, thank you for your time. It was a wonderful chat. And uh, we'll speak to you again soon. Thanks for listening to the Bike Radar Podcast. If you've not done so already, please subscribe and share with your friends or leave us a rating if you've enjoyed this episode.